This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. It's pretty nice to hear all the nice words about the podcast from so many people. I said that the podcast was, I don't know if it was in any jeopardy, but I, I guess I had to justify it to some extent. And I was basically, you know, I said in the podcast, I said, you know, if you guys have something nice to say about it, now's the time. And uh, it seemed like the listeners stepped up pretty huge. I didn't even retweet all of them. There were a lot of them that were really good, but I was just at a certain point, I didn't want to just destroy my uh, Twitter feed completely uh, with just praise for our own podcast. But it was very nice to hear. We appreciate it a lot. Um, the reviews are great on uh, iTunes. There were like a million of those and DMs and just, you know, Twitter posts that I forwarded. So I think the message was received. I think, you know, sometimes people don't know. I mean, you know, you're looking at a, the graphs and bars of traffic and and you bring that to me and, and I'm like, well, no, I don't think you realize what's going on here. And I had to prove that point and, uh, with, uh, with some help from the listeners, I think we proved it. So very much appreciated and yeah, he stepped up pretty big. Totally. I appreciate it as well. It was overwhelming and yeah, super, super positive and, and nice. Yeah. No. Yeah. Agree, man. Very, very much a, a heartfelt. Thanks. Bitcoin. I think last week it was at 52. It went up to 58 and then it crashed down to 45, 46 and it's at around 48 as we record this tonight. I just don't really sweat the dips that much. I guess it's because just a minute ago I was ecstatic that it was 20 and I just don't really sweat it. I, I, was, I made an analogy like it's like being on an airplane and there's some turbulence and you're a frequent flyer and the guy next to you is white knuckling it and you're just you know looking at the drink menu like thinking about you know if you're going to get a glass of wine or, or whatever. You're just used to it and I read this other thing where a guy said, if you can't take the 20% dips, then you don't deserve the 2,000% gains. <laughs> he says, nothing goes up like that without dipping, because if it did, then nobody, if it just went straight up, then you would never be able to get in where you did. Like the, the reason why everybody's not on it and it's just not all the way up and unreachable for anybody who's finding out about it is because it does have volatility, so... Um, I don't have a problem with it. Are you nervous at all? What's your uh, state of mind? Yeah, it's not easy having diamond hands, you know? I mean, it's not, not everyone can do it. Like, I, I get it. It's, it is, honestly, it's insane to watch it move $1,000 in the matter of seconds. Um, I really can, like $800 the next update. That It's pretty volatile, to say the least. Um, but, uh, as you said, just look big picture. And if you do get crazy, you will go drive yourself crazy if you look at it um, from a micro level. 
Um, and there's actually been some positive things like the tether FUD. If there ever was any concern about that, that's been officially obliterated. Um, Yellen didn't have some great uh, quotes. Um, but again, I just point to how frustrating the media is. And uh, I know that's been a theme on this podcast, but it just hammers home the point to me just watching um, just the coverage of Bitcoin. I mean, they, Elon Musk said uh, the price seems too high, like Friday night or something. And then it crashed. Monday morning and CNBC or something basically attributed it all to Musk. I mean, the trading had been, you know, for 48 hours. And suddenly it's his, his quote is what the, the headline uh, attributed the, the crash to was Musk. Uh, and, and even, I'm not even sure if it was negative, but anyway, uh, it's, it's definitely crazy, man. But um, I, 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 I'd like to say I'm with you and just try to not let it bother me. Yeah, no, I, I doesn't. I mean, you know, of course, I want it to keep going up, but I don't really care, and uh, I don't. I don't think it has anything to do with Elon Musk. I'm, I'm sure Tesla buying it and him talking about it definitely made it go up, but I don't think anyone sold for that reason. People sell. You don't really know. A whale could sell a whole bunch to raise some cash for some other purpose. Who knows? You know, I don't. I don't even claim to know. But it's it's funny because we talked last week. Like Nassim Taleb got out around forty five or forty something, and everyone jumped on him and stuff. By the way, that dude, it seems like that guy was kidnapped by the CIA the last year. He was, like, praising Jeff Bezos and Amazon. <laughs> what the hell's happened to that guy? He's just, like, going crazy. But anyway. Uh, oh, yeah, that's what everyone's comments below. Like, bring back the anti-fragile uh, celebs. Like, yeah. Like, he's, like, kidnapped by the CIA, and he's, like, signaling help. You know, like, this is, the, you know, they, they have those tweets that are, like, what would you tweet if to signal that you've been kidnapped? Be like, oh, I owe Jeff Bezos everything? Oh, really? Some genius philosophy guy who, who just... As so many things that are, have shaped so many people's frameworks for understanding the world, is thanking Jeff Bezos for his uh, writing success is crazy. But anyway, um, he you know he sold and he's tweeting today, and some of his guys were tweeting about how you know I don't get these uh, these uh, kind of stupid Bitcoin amoebae. They just they just only know buy hold buy hold. They don't understand. You know, an investment goes up, you trade, you, you make a profit, you sell, you get out, raise some cash. You know, he's saying like. This is an investment. Like, calm down. Don't be such religious fanatics about this. And you realize, like, for him, that's what it is. It's just something that you invest in, and it goes up, and you make a profit. If you think it's going to go down, you get out. And that's true of investments. The unit of account is the dollar. You try to profit in dollars when you're buying stocks or or those uh, what are those new NBA uh, Top Shot. Moments you buy whatever NFTs you know you buy some NFTs whatever it is it's you know you make your profit you get out it's not the be all end all like what's this religious fanaticism but that would be true if 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 Bitcoin were something that was just uh, something that needed to go up in dollars that you'd want to profit in dollars but if you believed that Bitcoin was going to replace the fiat currencies over the I don't know medium run not in the next few months, but the next 10 years, then you would not sell in the same way that if you had bolivars in Venezuela and you were, I don't know about these bolivars, I'm going to buy some dollars. So I'm going to, when it was 10 bolivars to a dollar, I'll spend 100,000 bolivars and get $10,000 just to be safe. I'm a little worried about the bolivar inflation. They're printing money. I'll save it in dollars. 
Then your ten thousand dollars, it used to be worth a hundred thousand bolivars, now it's worth a hundred billion bolivars, because bolivars are worthless. Oh, great, you made a lot of bolivars. Let's go sell it for a hundred billion bolivars. It's a great trade. You bought it for a hundred thousand, you sold it for a hundred billion. That's a great trade. No, it's not a great trade. Those bolivars are worthless. Keep the ten thousand dollars. And I think that's where a lot of the Bitcoiners are coming from is they're seeing it this way. They're seeing the future. They're arriving at the 2021 cheat sheet, you know, in baseball, the 2022 cheat sheet, and saying, I'm drafting the guy. I'm drafting off next year's cheat sheet. That's what I'm trying to draft off of. I'm drafting off of a decade from now what, <laughs> what's going to be the thing that has value, not the thing that's being infinitely printed. And these guys who are looking at it like, well, how many dollars has it gone up? Oh, it went down. You should have sold last week. This is, you know, they're just, it's a, it's a category error, right? Nassim Taleb, genius that he is, is looking at this as an investment, as a category of something that goes up in dollar value, let's sell for a dollar, let's trade. It's not a trade, it's, it's a category error. It is a shift in paradigms to a completely different thing. And if you see it that way, and maybe it's wrong, maybe Taleb is right, it's just another thing to gamble on. But if you see it that way, you would never sell for some dollar amount, you might, if you needed to buy something important in your life, like a house or, you know, pay your rent or whatever, I mean, that's different, but survival, immediate survival. But in terms of investment, you would never sell for the thing that it's going to replace. And now, what would your counter be if uh, the government creates their, uh, their own cryptocurrency? So it's funny you should bring that up because the Fed, the Fedwire, the ACH, you know, you make an ACH transfer sometimes from your bank to your investment it's account. Down. It's down. Is that, is that thing that's down right after Yellen said that the, it's, it's, uh, that Bitcoin's inefficient. And, then it, and then, it, then it goes down three days later. You can't make this stuff up. So she doesn't understand it or she's purposely pretending not to understand it for, you know, for effect. But everybody knows that Bitcoin is inefficient. Everyone knows it does seven transactions a second. Everyone knows that all of the information that can be stored in a block and is a one megabyte block. It's not going to be able to uh, store everybody's, process everybody's coffee payments on the chain. Uh, it's not going to do that. It is inefficient in that sense. But it's way more efficient than the Fed for large settlements. Things like if you had to move $100 million, if a bank had to pay another bank $100 million to settle up something, or a country needed to move you know, a billion dollars to buy some you know, something from another country, that's much faster, much, much, much more efficient. It's just that it's going to be the second layer of lightning that's going to deal with coffee purchases and right. the, the small stuff, and it's not going to be on the chain because you don't need to have proof that you really got this coffee. You know, that's not important to record on the chain. So um, either she doesn't understand it or she's purposely misleading people. It doesn't really matter. She's presiding over the system that just, I think it's still down as we record this. And it seems like, oh, they're gonna, they couldn't reboot it. But like, I think it's backed up in two or three places, the Fed, all their info. Bitcoin's backed up on nodes on you know, tens of thousands of computers around the world. Like which one's more resilient? Which one's never been down since 10 years? I mean, this is, this is profound. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's proving the point in real time. Uh, and then um, I, I read also that they think that Tesla, the basically Tesla stock is directly tied to Bitcoin now after their big purchase. Uh, I don't know. People that follow that far more would know far more than me to listen to this podcast. But um, do you think there's truth to that? I don't think so. I mean, he put $1.5 billion into it. That's the market cap of Tesla is like, what is it, like $700 billion or $800 billion. So I don't see how uh, less than half a percent allocation could 
really affect their stock very much. I think that okay. some of the some of the high flying stuff is is being sold. Interest rates are going up slightly, and I think it's causing a sell off. And you know, there's not this. The money's a little less free than it was temporarily. We'll see what the Fed does. Whether they send interest rates a lot lower. I started thinking, like, I read this this tweet by this guy, I forget who it was, but he was talking about, he was on the phone with someone in Ohio who was talking to, like, a collections firm, and the fir- the guy at the firm said collections have basically been off for the last, you know, six, eight months. Nobody's collecting, so there's rents that are in arrears for half a year, and renters are not, tenants are not paying their rents, and even commercial properties are not paying rents, and the... And, uh, like the Yellen, it was Yellen before, and it was Mnuchin before that, and they both had the same line, which is like, just don't press, tell the banks to hold off on really putting the hammer down on some of these commercial real estate interests that are not getting their rents, you know, just because they're not getting the mortgage payments or the loan payments. That, you know, when the economy supposedly heats up, the vaccine and herd immunity, whatever, if and when that happens, then they'll start to like collect everything. And this guy thinks that, that the, it's gonna, you know, the dollar is gonna be extremely scarce all of a sudden because there's just so much money that's that's owed that's going to disappear to pay these debts. And it's like when you borrow money, the dollar expands, right? If I go take out a mortgage on a house, um, the bank's going to lend, you know, we talked about this before, but let's say a million dollar house and I put down 250 and I borrow 750. Well, the, the seller of the house had a million dollar asset. Now he's got a million in cash. And I had 250 in cash and now I've got a million dollar asset. We just created, with the help of the bank, 750K out of nothing. So when loans are going out, then money's being created. And when loans are being repaid or defaulted on, money's disappearing. And these guys basically... Go ahead. Which leads to what? What does that lead to? Which leads to a huge deflation, right? Which leads to scarcity of dollars because all the dollars that are needed, they're just disappearing. The dollars that you had because your landlord wasn't demanding rent suddenly disappeared. So now you're selling everything you own, furniture, stocks, Bitcoin, whatever, to raise cash to live. You've had like a temporary suspension of needing money for a bit because everybody's sort of holding off and putting the hammer down. But that's temporary. Collections are going to restart. And then if that happens, there's a dollar scarcity, in which case everything crashes, probably Bitcoin, probably stocks, probably everything. But then what does the government do? I I thought maybe March 20th of last year when everything crashed and the printing started that that was the deflationary event and we're... You know, we're already on, on, on in the races to, you know, Bitcoin to a million and commodities and stocks and everything. But what if there's another event that's necessary before it really... Well, yeah, or it was delayed because it just took a while for all the, the, the payments to become due. Um, interesting. Uh, yeah, that would obviously make sense to where Bitcoin... Wouldn't be good for Bitcoin either, though, if everyone's selling it. I, I don't think so. I mean, it depends because, you know, when Michael Saylor owns it and and Square owns it, then they don't care. They're not going to sell. They don't have the weak hands. But, you know, there's certainly some speculators who would have to sell and and people who are leveraged. And that's what happened. I think that it dropped so far because there was like futures bets and huge leverage bets on it. And when the price starts going down, it just liquidates all the way down. You lose $10,000 in in price in a couple of days or one day, pretty much. So I I think it's, it's like that. But if this happens, and I don't, you know, again, I've been wrong about a lot of these predictions, but if there's a dollar crunch, everything's going to go down. But then what does the Fed do in response, right? In March, this, this was happening, and they just printed their way out of it right away. What do they do this time? And if they print their way out of it, that's when I don't know if, 
you can get the cat back in the bag. Like that might be just the death knell to, you know, the, these currencies having value. So this is like very interesting and dangerous, I think, in the next few weeks. Now, again, I could, this thing I read is kind of random and maybe it's exaggerated or maybe it won't play out the way I just said, but it just made me start thinking. It feels like we've been talking a while that it paid, you know, checks are going to be due here and it's uh, just kind of keeps lingering. So hopefully nothing, you know, horrible happens, but yeah, I could see, I could see, I could certainly see the future being bleak like that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't know what, you know, there's also, yeah, what happens to society, civilization, people, if this kind of thing happens, but I think it would be pretty, pretty ugly in a lot of places. All right. What else you got on your mind? I feel a little like enough's enough with the, we've talked about this a little bit, but with this lockdown, you know, I, you're reading stuff. I'm starting to like, just, I'm done with like all, I mean, I was, I've been done with it for a while, but I think the idea, oh, you got to wear two masks. And even if you get the vaccine, you're still going to have to distance. It's like, fuck off. If people are going to take this thing and they've shut down their lives for a year and they've done everything that was asked if you get the fucking vaccine or the cases come down or something, it can't be an endless cycle of, of being in this prison of not being able to give a relative a hug or something or a friend, you know, it's just to me, like enough's enough, right? Either the vaccine works and we're good or it doesn't work and we're fucked anyway. So let's just get on with it. I, I just, I feel like there's a, there's a time limit to this. It's not five years. It's not, it's not five years. They either did a good job and they didn't do a good job, but they either did their job to the extent they could under the circumstances, you know, got this vaccine, which, you know, again, I can't vouch for it, but hopefully assuming it works and it does its job and that's that. Or it doesn't and you just, you know, got to take care of your health and and, and live your life. I don't know. I, I, I'm feeling like there's only so much more of this. This is getting a bit ridiculous. Yeah, maybe you disagree, but I feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I feel like the, all the news has been positive about the vaccine and the results and, and all the numbers and everything. So in most places are opening up. Uh, I don't know. It seems to me like it's been good news. And, and, and people are, yes, I think even the, uh, the powers that be are understanding your frustration, what you're saying and whatnot. But um, yeah, obviously schools are a whole whole other issue but um that, that had you know other deeper issues too probably they need to figure out with um unions and all that but um that's that's definitely probably the main issue i would say in america is kids and schools but otherwise i don't know it feels like it's it's actually really like positive doesn't it no not well not to me i it's i've been reading that you know even if you had the vaccine and even if or you've had covid you're still gonna have to wear a mask you're still gonna have to distance that's what i've been reading yeah, I don't know. Just all the numbers are shooting are shooting down. People, less people having it, and, and and the vaccine seems to be working. And there's, I mean, I hear what you're saying, and the frustration, and enough is enough. But um, I think I think we are the, the light is at the end of the tunnel. We'll see. Uh, in America, I don't know. I don't. Uh, well, I believe it when I see it. I, I feel like, and I hope you're right. I hope you're totally right. I hope this is just a, you know, okay, yep, it worked. Everything worked. We're good. There's some cases flare ups here or there, but it's nothing. Uh, most people are immune. And, you know, we, we handle it as, as need be, like any other thing that flares up. I hope that's the case. Uh, I'm nervous. I, you know, we're still taking off our shoes at the airport because some dude made a failed attempt in 2003 or whatever that was. I mean, once, once you give them power, they don't give it back lightly. The Patriot Act just, that was in effect for 20 years. You know, we're still in Afghanistan. 
once you create a set of powers and an ecosystem around it, it's, it's hard to make it go away. I, I think politicians and people uh, who support them and who, who have their ear like it that you can tell people when to, you know, how late they can stay out, what they can do, what they can't do, whether they can eat at a restaurant, what they have to wear. I think they like that. I think they're quite used to it. So I'm, I'm, I hope you're right. I hope I'm just being super paranoid and it's, everything's at face value. Like, okay, yeah, no, everything's good. Numbers are down. Let's go do, live our lives. I don't want to say I would bet against it, but I'm not counting my chickens whatsoever. All right. Well, I think that's where it's headed. People are all planning their weddings and everything. I think uh, everything's going it's, to, it's heading in the, uh, the direction toward more normalcy, but um, I probably am wrong, as, as you said. And, and maybe you're right. Again, like, I don't, you know, whatever. I don't have any special insight into it. And a lot of the guys I read, like, I, I don't follow a lot of mainstream news. I follow a lot of skeptical and borderline paranoid, or not borderline, paranoid people, and they tweet the most, you know, you'll still have to wear a mask, you know, after you get your vaccine, you know, that kind of, those big tweet stuff like that out. There'll be vaccine passports, and if you don't have the vaccine, you're not going to the movies or something like that. And so they tweet those alarmist people, and I think that's what the prevailing the prevailing belief is, but right. maybe the mainstream is, no, no, this is over. Once this is set, we're, we're good. So we'll see. The other thing, I was listening to this uh, Marty Bent podcast. He's, uh, it's a Bitcoin podcast, and he had this woman, Whitney Webb, on. Whitney Webb, it's a little weird. Like, she's very, she's a journalist. She's based in Chile. She's American, and she reports on, like, Epstein and the CIA and all this stuff, and she's pretty compelling. But the weird thing is you can't find out anything about her like she's been doing this website for a few years and you can't find out anything about her. I try to look before those few years and maybe that's just for like privacy and OPSEC reasons. And I respect that. I, you know, whatever it's just an, Oh, you know, an autobiography to anybody, but she just kind of just appeared out of nowhere you know, as it were. And so this, I read this other guy talking about her saying like, Oh, she's like another operation to get people uber paranoid so that when they like push up push through the stuff that's not as bad as she said i don't know you know how it is like i think QAnon personally is a is an operation from the government to you know because QAnon's like it's the best thing ever that happened to the the establishment right because they can just point at that and be like oh great you're one of those that you QAnon right QAnon is is a gift it's, it's a huge gift because it's it's just like it, it just it's just the straw man that you can always any time someone disagrees with the status quo or you know what the politicians are saying you can be like oh great QAnon great yeah I know who you are so this issue's an operation okay so I'm just gonna I just put that out there I have no reason to think that other than there's no info on her and I read it from some guy and just I'm just skeptical in general but on uh, Marty Bent's podcast she suggested that so COVID was like sort of the first wave and there was this simulation COVID thing in 2019. Event 201 or whatever, where they talked about, you know, they simulated a pandemic and all of that. And then uh, she said that in 2020, and there's supposed to be one in 2021, they simulated a, uh, a massive hack of the banking system. And that the, and that, so that's the next thing coming, like a, a hack such that like people cannot access their accounts, period. And this is, this podcast was from a few weeks ago. And I shouldn't have listened to it. It was when I was on my Twitter hiatus and, I was listening to podcasts because I didn't have Twitter. And, you know, it kind of scared the shit out of me. I'm like, but then, you know, I was like, yeah, who knows who she is? And she's, you know, it's a random crazy person. Who knows? But anyway, she said that this is the next big thing. The solar winds hack is, is 
you know, the precursor to that or a pretense for saying, no, this is where they got in, and then they finally flipped everything. And I'm just saying it's probably tomorrow everything will be normal. I'm going to sleep pretty soon. It's 11 p.m. here. But the Fed has been down for three hours. The Fed wire has been down for three hours. So I, don't, I just started, as soon as this happened, I started thinking about that podcast. Right. Okay. That's your tie into. I know uh, Whitney Webb and, of course, Marty Bent. So I did not listen to that podcast. So I don't know if you're don't do it. making me want to go listen. To don't do it. It's too, it's too disturbing. Like I, sometimes, you know, if you read Chris Hedges, Chris Hedges is a former New York Times journalist, and he just, it's too dark, man. I mean, he might be right about stuff, but it is. Uh, you think I mean, it is dark? I'd never read Chris Hedges, even though he's a good writer, and I don't necessarily disagree. It's just you know, it's it's good to maintain some optimism, even if it's not necessarily rational. All right. Well, yeah. Let's hope that's that's not what this uh, leads to. That would be not 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 great. Yeah. Um, anyway, her, her thesis was that you know, the COVID was sort of the one thing, and it got a lot of people complying and fearful and doing what the government says. And this is like phase two. They took this as far as they could take it. And then phase two is going to be, you know, much worse in a different way. That was her thesis. Um, what? Uh, want to talk some sports? Sure. What do you What do you got in your mind? Just uh, Tiger car accident's pretty crazy. I know you're not a huge golf guy. But do you have any thoughts on that? It sounds like his right leg's pretty uh, pretty shattered. Yeah, I mean it's it's not. He doesn't have to return and play in the NFL, but if you know golf. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, what's what's the prognosis? We had Stefania Bell on. She mentioned it. She was like had to run because she was doing like a million ESPN spots on Tiger Woods. But uh, what's the deal? Is he is he going to be able to play, or they don't know, or what? Yeah, I don't think we know much yet. But it sounds pretty pretty bad. And yeah, just after that documentary that came out, it was uh, definitely uh, compelling. But yeah, that's a crazy car accident. And how did he get into the accident? What, do they know? Do they know how the accident happened? Like, what do you just like? I think he was just speeding in a place that often happened. I guess that's known for that so, and just lost control. They go like do a, a, a commercial shoot with like Justin Herbert and Drew Brees. And um, yeah, I think he just lost control. And, they, uh, and, uh, and yeah, just anyway, that's pretty uh, crazy and relatively, you know, breaking the past day here. Um, uh, not much me. I just had my my birthday uh, yesterday. Wait, uh, happy birthday, man. The 23rd is your birthday? Yes, it's Can you name my birthday just off the top of your head? No, I couldn't. No, I'm bad at that. And you don't know my birthday? Yeah, well, you're, yeah, well, you did not, you did not, shocking too much, you did not reach out yesterday. I didn't know your birthday. I didn't know it. If I knew it, I definitely would wish you happy birthday. Stay away from social media, too. If I were, I would have just emailed you or texted you, happy birthday. Yeah, of course. I'm uh, one away from 40. Is uh, 39, huh? It's scary stuff is to be that that close. that close to 40. Uh, my uh, daughter is a crazy person and jumped in the pool this past week. Uh, you know how cold it is here. That's just, just crazy. She's good for her. just wearing nothing when it's cold outside. And she's one good for her. We left her and she's terrified looking her face coming out, made her cry a little bit, but then immediately went in the, in the shallow end and, and in the pool. So it's very cold outside here and in the pool. Um, unbelievable. My uh, seven-year-old is uh, definitely different than her parents, but um, I got the beat Jeff Erickson draft tonight. That's, we got to get off this podcast quick i gotta do some more uh, last second studying so i'm fired, fired i gotta study for that one you gotta study for the beat chris list that beat jeff erickson doesn't require studying that's easy 
it's just a weird time. I'm like in doing fantasy hoops leagues, and I um just because I'm a crazy person, I couldn't help myself, and I did a best ball uh, football uh, league. Jesus, yeah, because I I just I just couldn't help myself. So now I'm jumping back to baseball. So uh, yeah, doing the Jeff Erickson draft tonight, and I'm sure we'll uh, talk about it on XM tomorrow. I, I guess I could run one thing by by you if you want to talk a little uh, strategy sure. sports. Um, so I pick four in this. Um, uh, I, uh, I don't like, you know, you know, I've been going by pitch heavy strategy. Um, I'm considering one offensive player if, uh, especially if DeGrom goes ahead of me, which I have a feeling he might, um, he might, he might do that. So, uh, what are your thoughts on going with Trey Turner for, for the backs? I hate it. I wouldn't even consider it. I think that steals are easier to get these days because they're harder to get steals, but you don't need that many. So that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah, it's easy to do okay in steals and, he had a great season for two months last summer, and he's really good, but he's, I don't think he's top four. I mean, you're going to get Beth, Soto, Tatis, or Acuna. If you want a hitter, you got, you know, you got the elite hitters who do everything. And Soto said he's going to run more, and he stole 12 bases in 2019 and stole six last summer. So I, I'd love Soto there. Soto's going to, he's like the best hitter in baseball right now. So I'm fine with that. Or, or DeGrom is fine. But, it's it's a good it's a good spot to pick I think I think in an overall first of all people are not in an overall think please disregard this altogether but I I don't know I would strongly consider Turner as my number one hitter I think and looking at looking at the landscape of, of fantasy players right now in, in that overall con- component I don't know because his batting average too is there and um, I don't know that's where, that's where I'm sitting but it sounds like you vehemently disagree I, yeah I don't I was talking to Todd Zola about this on on the radio show and. I just think that you don't want to. Well, I mean, it's you could like the problem is like you're not going to avoid guys who steal bases after him, but you just don't need that many. And I think overall value, if it's not an overall contest, clearly the other four have more value. Unless again, unless he has a season like he did in the summer, but it was only two months. And I think with the ball maybe being dejuiced, he can maybe hit 12 home runs or 14 and really hurt you there a little bit for a first pick. And then you get pitchers and low on power. So I would, I mean, I would take one of the big four hitters if I'm going to take a hitter, or I take Degrom, one of those guys. Yeah, but for what it's worth, Washington played like extreme pitchers part last year. I don't know if that means that they got one of the. Um the uh what's it humidor maybe i don't know but right. it's typically one of the best hitters parts in baseball and it just played extreme, extreme. but he is who he is he's not going to just be like a 40 home run hitter i mean it's very unlikely i'm just saying away from home yes last year he had 1100 ops and, and it was just weird <laughs> the way that played at home but i don't know just the bags is why i'm not like really like whatever like Trey Turner. first of all acuna steals just as many bags as he does basically no yeah totally okay no no there, there would be the argument yeah right. I, I had that wrist issue last year but no acuna okay fine but after acuna then who would the, there's no well tatis well tatis and bets steal a lot of bases too they steal like you know 20 something bases and Turner may still like 30. Instead of 40. 20 instead of 40. I might be like 26 instead of 36. Yeah. All right. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I wouldn't even consider it. But I consider the pitcher. I consider one of those hitters. I, you know, what? Do you have any thoughts on DeGrom, Cole, or Beaver? I, I like DeGrom the best. I got Cole in my league in the one you're in because DeGrom was gone. But I, I think DeGrom is the best pitcher in the best park. And now his team is good. And then Lindor is going to be playing defense for him, so this is a it's a good situation. Yeah, I, I worry because he's been like banged up here the last couple of years, and just the wins are just whatever wins are a thing. And Garrett Cole just racks him up. But I've I've come around on 
DeGrom. For one, is Joe Sheehan, I just heard him recently say that he uh, he's already undergone the Tommy John surgery. I actually kind of like that. And Mets are just by far the best pitcher's park. And no DH probably in the NL. And hopefully the wins shouldn't be – I mean the Mets are one of the favorites. So right. they should have better offense. So and then, I guess he was hitting like 100 in a recent bullpen session coming, coming back. So he's throwing heat. So I'm with you there. Um, all right, man. Okay, that's all my really thoughts. I'm well, fourth here, looking forward to it. I love these these, these Rotowire online championships are just. Uh, I heard Vlad saying they're so addicting. It's true, man. It's it's uh, the problem with baseball is it's such a pain in fab. That's why I had no problem doing the best ball with my with football draft is getting in too many of these is just a real problem. Pain on Sundays. No, I know it's a real problem. And the NFBC, their their commission is really good, but still, you still have to do the research. I mean, there's no way around that. I, I've been telling people, I've had this talk on this podcast, like, we, they just need to get someone to do the research for you so it's, like, laid out for you. And I want to go even farther and build a rotowire tool where we just, like, basically do, you know, have, like, an AI do it for you. Yeah, and it's just, and it's just like, or, you know, the deluxe, right, where, like, someone, the rotowire staffer does it. It's like, you know, there's no guarantees, but it's at least done. Like, we see that you need an outfielder, so we pick up an outfielder to start, you know, I mean, and you could do it yourself, or you could tweak it. You could just have the dude do it, and then, you know, five minutes left, you'd be like, oh, no, nah, that's too much on him. I want more. You know, you just set it up for you, and then you can mess with it. But I just think that would be such a service. To, there's just so, this, to me, that's just such a need in the industry. Um, the, the last thing I want to talk about, well, first of all, I'm doing another B Chris list on Friday. I was just going to say that, too. Yeah, and let me know before the third one if you do another one. Okay, right you'll do it. Also, okay. Yeah, this one I just I just felt like doing it because I want to do this extreme hitter strategy. But then, like, I got the eighth pick, and I don't think I'm going to be able to do it because I don't know. I, like, I don't really – I hope Turner goes earlier. And, like, I might get Trout. But, you know, if DeGrom or Cole is there, I might push up Yelich to eight. I like Yelich. But, like, in round two, I just like the pitching there so much more, like, at eight. Like, that – on that, you know, it'll be, like, Giolito, Nola, Kershaw, whatever. Kershaw even go to round three. And so it's like I want to do hitting, but I just don't want to take Manny Machado in the, in the middle of the second round. I don't want to take Harper there, really. So I just don't like the hitters there. And so I was thinking about doing an all-hitter strategy, but – I almost rather do all pitcher then. If if I get to Grom or Cole, I may just go the other way and just go do what you do. No, you're right though because where I sit in this fourth pick tonight, um, if if Nola and Giolito are gone, you know, a very distinct possibility with my 21st pick, then it's like who Kershaw or Scherzer if I'm going my pitching strategy, right? Like you know, I'm, I'm going to have to probably go that route. Right in the late round two is what you're saying. Yeah, there's not a natural starting pitcher fit in some. There might you might get yeah you might get Nola, but you might not. You might have to get Flaherty and Kershaw right in the next two picks if you if you wanted to do pitchers. That's my question actually, Scherzer and Kershaw. I want your I don't know Flaherty. I have a weird I don't know Flaherty for some reason. Talk about those three. That's why maybe my decision tonight. I want your opinion on that so I can fade it. In our draft, in the third round, I knew I was getting a pitcher. I was hoping to get a pitcher, and it was going to be Kershaw or Flaherty, whichever one lasted. And they both lasted, and I took Kershaw over him. But I like Flaherty. He was great in 2019, the last four months, despite the home run ball. Last summer, he wasn't as good, but it's two months. Guy's good. He broke out in 2018, kept it up in 2019. He's on a, he's in a good park and a good division. He's, he, I think he's going to be just fine. Uh, Scherzer, is, you know, Stefani Bell thinks he's fine, like no problems. He's had some nagging stuff, but nothing serious. Thinks he's saying yeah. today. Yeah. And Scherzer struck out like 96 guys in 63 innings or something crazy this summer. Yeah, weird whip. I, I, it's hard to have a whip like that with that K rate. Oh, it's just he got hit. You know, everything he got ripped. But then again, it's a couple small sample. He just got hit really hard. Gave him home runs and hard contact. But I can see Scherzer if you want to get, you know, lead the league in strikeouts easily and, or 
Kershaw's kind of the whip, kind of you know point nine eight whip or something like that. I think I'd probably take Kershaw, but I, I couldn't really argue any of those three. I think it's, it's legitimate. Uh, yeah, Scherzer's like thirty five and already rolled his ankle. Um, but rolled his ankle. I do, yeah. I do. I do like him though. He's such a badass. Um, and what about Nola? Do you have a strong opinion on him? Then I guess throw him in there. I mean, he killed me in in twenty nineteen, but he was good last summer. He's great in twenty eighteen. He pitched a lot of innings. I don't know. I, I think you know the team is pretty good, so I'm fine with him too. I mean, I, I he usually goes ahead of those guys. Yeah, I'm but, with you. Uh, which, yeah, I'm with you with the. Uh, I heard you talk about Bellinger now with this latest news. He's got a falling falling draft for sure. Right, like he's fine, but like, and maybe he'll make a profit, but I don't really see a huge difference between him and like Devers, right? Like a few stolen, ba- you know, maybe it's ten or twelve more stolen bases, but otherwise, it's like the same guy, and you're like. Getting one guy, you know, one guy's injured. It's like, why mess with it? Why screw around? It's like you're, you may as well just get Devers in the fourth and forget about it or Vlad or somebody. But, um, I what you're saying is you may not go all hitting strategies, but you're saying I want to, but this might not be the draft I do it because it might not be the right, you, you know, you don't want to just do it and force it. It's, it's got to, if Trout falls to me at eight or something and I take him, and then in round two, there's Harper, which would be kind of fun, even though Harper's not that exciting anymore. Neither one is as exciting as they used to be. And then, you know, I, I could do it. I could see it. I'm not saying I won't do it. I'm just saying that it's, I, I, it was my, one of my last choices of where to pick. I either wanted to pick late and get Yelich at like 11 and hope to get Jose Ramirez. or I, Even then, though, like, all the guys I wanted to turn are pitchers besides, besides Jose Ramirez and Yelich. And so like, if you can't get both, again, you're like reaching up for like Harper or somebody. So I just I just don't like the hitters there, but I'm picking eight. So we'll see. One other thing I want to talk we talked about the NFTs those moments. You know, as I said, I bought a put on Tesla. I didn't know what the hell I was talking about, and that was stupid. And a lot of people see Bitcoin as some kind of bubble, and I feel like they don't know what the hell they're talking about. But these NFTs to me, it, it seems like it's going to end in tears. Like this is this is going to be a fad that. You know, if you bought one of these things for thirty or fifty grand, I don't know, man. But I don't. You know, I haven't looked into it that much. And then, uh, then there's these these soccer ones. There's another kind, though. I can't forget what they're called. Andrew Laird just did a, a column on it on the site. So rare. I guess they're called so rare. And basically, like, you know what this is? No, I don't know that. No. So so rare. It's like a blockchain game that there's cards. There's like a thousand of the rare ones. Sorry, there's 100 of the rare runs, there's 10 of the super rare runs, and there's one of the unique ones for all these soccer players. And I don't totally understand it, but you basically buy these things, and then you can also enter them into, it's like a game token. You know like how games, a certain like gun or something will be really expensive, like it'll actually cost money to use in one of those like right. video games, and you can like port it to other games or whatever, you can't port it, I don't know. This is like you pay for this card, it's like buying a sports card, and then you can use it in like these contests to make money. And when you use it to make money, they get like more valuable somehow. They accrue more. And this, you know, it's on the blockchain. So your, your guy is like a, a big, you know, it's like digitally tracked, like everything you do with it. And then you could sell it or whatever. And I don't know. There's some talk that this is the future of fantasy sports. It's like a collectible that's DFS, but also a keeper league. 
Yeah, I don't know much about these at all. All I know is that I, I even recommended Jonathan Bales' newsletter on this pod last week, and he's one of the people who bought, wrote one of the newsletters about him spending 35000 on a Ja Morant NFT. So it's blowing up. It, I'm with you, though. It's, I'm skeptical. It, it seems weird, and um, I don't know, man. The whole, the, I, that, maybe the, this, the young generation is just different, though. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm open to it, but it definitely on its surface seems seems. Uh, uh, crazy yeah so my my feeling is it's kind of like an altcoin where and it's based on the ethereum blockchain but it, but it's kind of like an altcoin in that there's no immaculate conception story like bitcoin where you know it's decentralized the founder doesn't exist it can't be more cannot be printed than 21 million what's to stop these guys from issuing more of these things like I understand that there's digital scarcity, just like there's with Bitcoin. It's you know confirmed like you have this particular guy and it cannot be replicated. But what's to stop other companies from somehow copying it the way that there's all these altcoins copied Bitcoin? And the same thing happened with baseball cards. You know, I was starting to buy them. They printed too many, but in the '90s, I started buying these like rare, ultra rare ones where you'd have like a piece of jersey on one in a hundred cards, and if you got like the Alex Rodriguez with the jersey on it, it's worth five grand out of the pack, and then those things just completely collapsed because there were like then like twenty different versions of that happened. Oh, it's got a piece of the bat. Oh, it's signed by the guy. Oh, it's a rare platinum sign. You know, it was all these like variations came out. Each one was rare. But then there were other versions of rare that kept coming out, and then I'm pretty sure they collapsed. I don't know for sure, but I just remember thinking, "This is I, I'm getting scammed," so I stopped doing it. Anyway, I, again, I don't know enough. I I, I don't want to say it's definitely that, but yeah, no, it's got it's it's definitely odd for sure. My first open pack of baseball cards as a kid got the, the infamous Billy Ripken uh, error card. So uh, what's that worth now? The Billy Ripken error card? Yeah, Anything? Probably nothing. Probably not much. No. Um, but um, anyway, yeah, the NFTs is definitely something to pay. Well, I mean, it's it's worth paying attention to just because it's wild. And I guess the site itself is having like a lot of the issues and whatnot, people going nuts online. I mean, it's definitely got its own mini culture now with it, it's exploding. But forget about like, you know, the, the trading it also is like, you know, we play fantasy in the old school way. Right? We pick some players and then you know, there's no it's not like digitally recorded. It's just like our particular player. I mean, it's not my player, so, you know, everybody has my share. You know, we all have different shares of different players, and it's infinitely replicable. It's not, like, tracked, like, that I use this same guy in six different leagues. But, like, is this the future of fantasy sports where it's, like, kind of like a video game? Like, you track your – you, like, draft a player for a certain amount of money, and then he's, like, usable in different tournaments or, like, different it – just, it just made me start thinking, like – I don't know, because collecting baseball cards was the shit when I was a kid. That was what you did, right? That was instead of, we didn't have fantasy. Played like all-star oh, baseball. I walked, I, dude, I walked to a local baseball shop at least a couple times a week. I mean, just, yeah, four or five times a week as a kid. Yes, it's definitely cliche. I was so into it. And trading them was a big deal. And, and getting the monthly Beckett to check the, the yeah. prices. I mean, yeah, man, I was super into that at one stage in my life. I'm, I'm old, as we already established. Yeah, well, you're, you're yeah, I'm going to be 50 in a, in a couple months. But, no, but, oh, yeah. wow. That's yeah, that's, that's yeah, exciting. That's a real man is 50, not 39. Nutless Monkey's 39. Real man makes it to 50. But I guess what I'm saying is that, like, you know, DFS, right? Like, people do DFS lineups, and, like, they burn money, and they're like, ah, shit, I lost DFS. You know, it's like a negative EV unless you're, like, really, really know what you're doing. But, like, imagine having some equity. You know, it's like you actually have some equity in something that you're spending your money on. 
I don't know. It just seems like it's a better, it's like a, a model that's more like buying the car. Like you might buy like a, you know, the wrong, you know, I, I bought all those Barry Bonds rookies and they turned out to be worthless. But like, you know, I was buying equity. You know, it wasn't just like, it's a little different, right? It's something that could accrue value. It's something that has like, it's not just like you burn it. You could also like use that guy to play a DFS tournament and lose some money, but you still have, there's something to it. But I, I don't know. I got to think about it. I got I to learn more about it. But it's, it's sort of like just got me thinking a bit. Yeah, don't bring up Barry Bonds. I'm still upset at myself. I was in my friend's wedding uh, in the Bay Area two summers ago and ran into Bonds, who was just with one other guy at a bar, and I'm such a nutless monkey. I should have went up to him and said, I'm, we're not worthy, and, and got down on my <laughs> to that guy. I don't know what I was – it's because I wasn't boozing, so it, I, that was the problem. Sober. If I – Yes, that was a problem. I should have been. Uh, I should have let him know that he is a god, and, and none of us are worthy. And, and, and kissed the ring on his. Well, especially because everyone thinks he's an asshole and doesn't give him the respect he deserves. So, like, actually, what it might have meant something. You know, I mean, he. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people kiss his ass. Like, people still kiss OJ's ass. You know, <laughs> they don't care. People just have me like, oh, it's OJ, and I know who OJ is. They don't care. Evan was totally ignoring him though. He's just by himself. I think he actually, in hindsight, he would have loved it. I think, but um, anyway, still upset at myself for that. But uh, yeah. on that note. Um, Good times. Fired up for this Jeff Erickson draft. We'll talk about it on the XM show. Uh, yeah, tomorrow. I come away with Trey Turner, too. You can give me a hard time. Yeah, and uh, one thing, I wrote one more of those uh, Substack posts today. I just published it, so yes, check that check out. Yeah, check it out. I read it. Good oh, you did? Yes, yeah. I sure. I, I, I'm a subscriber, so I it comes Oh, you get it. Okay, you know. Like I said, it's like a newsletter. I love it. All these coming into my into my. Right, know, my it's, a, it's the future. All right, man. Good luck. Uh, crush Jeff. Um, one other couple recommendations here for oh. you. Um, there's a, a podcast called The Apology Line, which is uh, in the 1980s. Some guy set up on a line in New York City um, to like you can uh, carte blanche, like call this number and anonymously apologize. And it is a wild uh, story that really <laughs> happened. All these recordings called right. The Apology Line. It was pretty. Uh, it's a podcast? podcast. Yeah, it's a podcast. Okay. All right. One called The Apology Line. Um, and we'll talk movies at a, a different date. But um, good stuff, Liz. And, uh, and again, thanks to everyone who uh, had the, the kind words for, for the pod. Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely it was huge. Appreciate it a lot. All right. Take it easy, man.